If we always believe, we always think that we cannot do it. We can't do it. We're not successful. We're not able to be successful. We're not able to make it. I can't change. I can't transform. I can't do more. I can't be better. If we always think like that, it will always be like that. Why? Everything that you are now is what you thought before. Everything that you are now is what you thought before. So if you say that you want to be in this position, that you're going to be in this situation, verbally you might have said differently, but inside you believe yourself to be in a certain position, that you will reach a certain position. Oh, you know, I can't stop drinking alcohol, um, I can't stop going out, or I can't sleep, or I can't do this, I can't speak different. I can't do this, I can't do that. I can't make it, who's going to listen to me, I'm a nobody. That's right. But you need to realize that every single person out there in this world who is a somebody started out as a nobody. But they didn't believe that they can remain a nobody. They believed they could be more. Because they believed they can be more, they worked towards it, no matter what people said, no matter what obstacle, and they became more. If you choose to believe you cannot be more, you will remain no more. If you choose to believe you don't have enough time, if you choose to believe you don't have enough energy, if you choose to believe that you can't um, uh, juggle or you can't do, then you're wrong. You know why? Madonna, she, she runs every day for three hours. Every single day. She's vegetarian. She will not, she will not eat any type of meat because it destroys her body. Um, she goes for voice lessons. She trains her voice. She meets people. She talks to scouts. She talks to promotional people, to the record company. She goes to record. She goes on concerts. She goes shopping. She takes care of her kids. She's got to entertain her dead husband. She's got to entertain, go to parties, do openings. And you know, she's just a normal person. And she's got to maintain her relationship. And she told her relationship, you know what she said? She said, I love you. I care about you. You're great. But my career and what I'm doing is number one. Why? Because I don't know if you're going to be around with me forever. But I need to have something forever. I need to think about me. So relationship comes to her second. Why does it come second? Second doesn't mean she treats the person second or it's not a priority. It just means that when work calls, she's got to do work. So what she was saying, and I realized the formula for success in life, that her formula of success in life is not that she doesn't have relationships, she doesn't enjoy, she doesn't go to parties, she doesn't eat. It's that she knows how to calculate her hours and inject her timing to make everything work out. That's how I realized. If we say we're busy, we can't juggle time, we don't have quality time, we're just fooling ourselves. Why? We haven't achieved anything. We have not achieved anything, we have done nothing. We have done nothing just because our priorities are the same, we don't have enough time, we can't juggle, our priorities are off. Why? Why is our priorities off? Because all of us want to make it in something, all of us want to be successful. So if we always say we don't have time, then you will always remain in a state of mind that you don't have time. There are people who are very close to me. And I'm going to say this with no disrespect. There are some people very close to me, physically close to me, and emotionally close to me, that's been with me for 10, 15 years. What they're doing now is exactly what they were doing 10 years ago. And they're still with me. They still can only talk to a few people. They only can fulfill a few jobs. They can only fulfill a few um, commitments. And if you give them more commitments, they can't do it. They tell you they don't have time. They can't handle it, because they have too much. And I notice there are people very close to me that 10 years ago when they joined me, they can do this much, 
Now they're doing this much. Same thing. Because they say they can't do it. Why am I saying that? To say that I'm so great and I'm doing so much and they're doing so little, they're not great. No, that's not my point. My point is, what I was doing with them 10 years ago is exactly what I'm doing now. Teaching, meeting people, scolding, arranging, whatever. But why is it I can take care of 12 departments now and it's growing, but some of these people still cannot even take care of themselves? Why? Why do they never grow or become bigger or expand? Because they have put in their mind, I cannot. They cannot. So as long as you keep saying that, as long as you keep restricting yourself, you will end up with many regrets later. Do you know why? Because you will look back over the years and see what everybody else has achieved and what you have achieved and you compare and you feel, uh oh. Let me give you an example. Things you were very passionate about five years ago, ten years ago, perhaps we're not passionate about. Things five years ago, things happened to us. And we would have committed suicide, or jumped off the bridge, or we would have, you know, just closed the doors, we would have ran away, shut off emotionally. But if it happens to us these days, we don't do that anymore. Why? And in fact, the way we acted last time, we feel a little embarrassed. We feel a little shy. Why? Because we think, what was the big deal? Similarly, whatever, if that has happened to you, and it's happened to me, if it's happened to you that what you've done five years ago, ten years ago, that if it was taken away, or it changed, or wasn't the same situation, and you would have deep regrets, or you would be emotionally distraught, or you'd be very destroyed, or you'd be very flustered, but if it happened to you now, you wouldn't feel like that. Why? Because you felt So that's happened to you, similarly, on the basis of that precedence, on the basis of that logic, if that's happened to you, things you are attached to now, things you are totally cannot be without now, things that you cannot be without a moment now, I promise you, one year, two year, three year, four year later, you can have it, it'll be fine, it'll complement your life. If you don't have it, it doesn't take away. Wasn't there people you met in the past you were totally in love with? You couldn't live a day without them. You think about them nonstop. You SMS, or there wasn't SMS 10 years ago. You, you called them nonstop. You, you, you know, when they called you on your you know, hand phone that was that big and your number flashes, you're so excited. You're, you know, you just couldn't be without them and you think, wow, you, you even fly from Burma to meet them. <laughs> Don't we all have that? Well, what happened to those people now and our feelings for them now? Our feelings for them now are gone. And if they showed up, we'd be emotionless. We can be friends, but we're emotionless. Why are we emotionless? Because that's how we felt them. That's how it is. That's how our mind plays tricks on us. So that's why never make sweeping statements. Think carefully based on past experiences. Maybe 10 years ago, if you didn't have a fabulous, wonderful car, you couldn't even drive the 77 because you lose space. But now it's like whatever. Things change. Now, <clears throat> we are in a thrive. Let me take KH as an example now. As another example, as an extension of what I was talking about. And I want you guys to listen to the deeper meaning, not just the words and examples. I am not cornering anybody. 
I am not framing anybody, and I'm not trying to use anybody as an example. If I want to do that, I just tell you directly. I don't need to go round and round and round. I'm not that tactical round. So I'm not here to frame anybody or honor anybody. That's not my uh, purpose. But I'm here to give you information to think because you're smart. And it will help you in the future. It will help you deal with the future. It will help you deal with the past. Now, let's take KH an example. KH is, is the largest, the biggest, the most active, and the most vivacious Tibetan origin Buddhist center in Malaysia. We've been tall. So you know what? They told me I was tall, I believed it. They told me that I'm a rainbow chief, I believed it. People told me that I was evil, I didn't believe it. People told me that I'm loud, obnoxious, and straightforward, and I hurt people's feelings, and, I, and I'm direct. I believe it sometimes. I've been told a lot of things, and I can choose to believe or not. But they told me that we are the most active and the biggest Tibetan origin Dharma Center in Malaysia. Well, I choose to believe that. Whatever they want to think, it's okay. I choose to believe that. I choose to believe that because we work hard. I have worked hard. We work hard. We work very hard. Anybody who's with us on the inside, it may look like the Rim Chief comes down the balustrade, comes down the, the grand-ish uh, 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 stairway, like Imelda Marcos or something, you know, to a party with a new pair of shoes, but it's not like that. Because behind, it is a Dharma pig sweat factory. My point is, it is a sweatshop. We are in a huge, huge sweatshop. We are like a, all 60 of us in here are like, you know, Vietnamese immigrants in America. We just came over on a boat and we're just stuck in this factory called Kachan House. And, and we're told to work and we're pushed to work and there's no sleep. You can ask a lot on kitchen set. So what is this? What is, what is this fervor? What is this excitement? What is this commitment? What is this that these people work? They have no relationship. They have no life. They have, they don't go out. They don't recognize their friends anymore. They just disappear and they just do dharma work, dharma work, dharma work. But you know, for some of us, that might be some kind of pressure. It could be some kind of pressure. But let me use that as an example. And this is not to put anyone down. Please let me remind you. That's how our mind takes tricks on us. Kichara organization is not a business-orientated, geared organization. We all know that. Anybody who works on the inside. We are really out to make a difference in society. And I know we can. And we work hard because we want to fulfill that dream. We want to make it a better world for animals. We want to make a better world for people in the corporate world who suffer. And they don't have any release. We want to make it better for people who are divorced. We want to make it better for people who had no parents. We want to make it better for people who are unhappy, frustrated, they have no place to let it out. Maybe drawing will help them. We are a place to better the world. And the reason we're very devoted and we're very passionate and we work very hard towards this is because our goal to better the world is our top agenda. You see, if our agenda is not for others, then we would suffer in this environment. If our agenda is for me, 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 we will suffer in this environment tremendously. Because you can be here, but eventually 
your mind is still out there. Your body can be here, but your mind can be out there. So when your mind's out there, you might end up joining out there, or you might not be able to work here well. Why? Because you have not let go of the need. So people who work with us, am I telling you, you can't have fun or go out and have a relationship? Absolutely not. I have been a matchmaker in the past, secretly, and I've matched up people that worked out pretty well. Pretty well. They're still together now. Um, you're not allowed to know. You see, so people who are in this environment, and they feel uncomfortable, they feel pressure. Let me tell you where that comes from. The pressure that they feel doesn't come from KH. It doesn't come from the people around them that are devoted or hard. It comes from themselves feeling guilty. It comes from the guilt within them that they want to blame on someone else. They want to blame on someone else not because they're bad people. They don't know how their mind works. No one's explained it to them. So when we come into a vivacious, growing, hardworking Dharma organization, slash Vietnamese sweatshop, slash. If we are not working like other people, if we're not committed like other people, and we don't do as much as other people, we do feel pressure, we do feel guilty, we do feel uncomfortable, we do feel like we're being pushed. But you know what? No one's pushing you. Why? Because these same people who are working in age felt what you felt when they were not working in age. They felt pressure. Because they weren't ready to join the bad race. They're not happy being in the right race. They're not happy just having a family, having a relationship, making money, and then they die. So when they were working outside of KH, in the secular world, they felt the same pressure people might have felt when they first entered KH. Why? Because their thinking is not the same. So every day you go to work, when people talk about money, they talk about success, they talk about bonus, they talk about going away, they talk about relationship, you're like, that's great, but you feel bored? You feel there's something missing? You feel there must be more to life. So those people felt a lot of pressure. So they looked for something else to do. That's why NGOs are very big. That's why Mother Teresa's holy organization grew so big, because so many people believed in what she believed in. That life isn't just about me, 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 me. So therefore, we work in KH, or any NGO such as KH, any in the world, and there are millions, really there, you just Google. If you're still thinking about yourself, and only yourself, and nothing but yourself, you will suffer. You will feel the hours are very late. You will feel that, you know, you don't have a life outside of cage. You will feel that you're pressure. You will feel that you, you don't know what you're doing. You will feel down. You will feel exhausted. You will feel tired. And then you'll automatically start blaming cage. Other people, you start saying, people make me feel pressure. People make me go opposite of my real nature. And that's not true. That's not true. Why? Let me explain. You are attached to money. You are attached to sex. You are attached to fear of loneliness. You are attached to relationships. You are attached to food. You are attached to wealth and the fear of not having it. Your attachment is there. And anybody who comes near your attachment, you blame them as making you feel pressured and uncomfortable. But that's not the case. You see, what you're feeling uncomfortable with is not the NGO and the good things that they're doing. Because how can doing good things make you uncomfortable? You're pressured. 
You're feeling uncomfortable because your innate selfishness is surfacing, and you're starting to see it, and you're feeling uncomfortable. So the pressure you feel, the uncomfortable feeling that you feel that's arising is not that other people are making you feel it is that you're starting to realize your priorities have changed. That perhaps your life has been more on the selfish side. And perhaps you should be more. And you're having a conflict in your own mind. Because you know, if I go to Mother Teresa's place, which I have, and I've donated money, I've visited her centers in India, I've donated money, and I wanted to join, but I already joined on in, truthfully. Not to be a Christian, I wanted to be a Buddhist monk in Mother Teresa's organization, wearing what I'm wearing, helping. I was going to ask her permission, may I join you to help like this? I'm sure she would say this. My point is, what is, when I go to Mother Teresa's place, I don't feel pressure. In fact, you know what I feel when I see the sisters and the brothers walking around, they're cleaning, they're taking care of the poor, the home of the dying, they're taking care of leprosy cases, they're running around on the streets, putting medicine on people. I felt pressure that I wasn't doing anything and I want to do it, that was a pressure I had. But when I left Mother Teresa's place, and I went back to the secular world, Bombay and all that stuff, you know, uh, Hubli, you know, where I was living, I felt pressure. Because I looked at everybody happy at having a wife, happy at having kids, happy at making money, happy at having their meal and going to sleep and doing that every day, happy. Oh, I felt so pressure. You know why I felt pressure? Because their life doesn't go anywhere. Sorry. It doesn't need to anything. And, and, they, and they have regrets. And they don't even know how to address their regrets. Do you know why? Because they don't know what's going on. I felt pressure. If, if I was to disrupt and go back to America, probably within a year to two years, I would commit suicide. I would. Because to live a life for me, just for me, 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 me. I look at my parents, I look at my aunts, I look at my uncles, I look at my friends, I look at my friends, my friends' grandparents, all that. Do you know what? I don't want to be where they are when I reach their age. No offense. They have a house, they have a car, they have some, you know, they have grandkids. Oh, when they get together and they talk about the grandkids, they play mahjong. Oh, when life is so good. No, you know what? I, that's not for me. You know why that's not for me? Because I'm not someone that's slow to live. I like to get up and look around and go up river. So when I work in cage, when things are growing and expanding and things have results, I don't feel pressure. I can stay up the whole night, I can stay up days, not sleeping. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm busy, I, you know, I'm sick, but I don't feel unhappy. But if you make me do that to work for a company or work for a boss or work for myself and just make money and be busy, stay up for days for money, I would be unhappy because I know that money can get me anywhere. Oh, you may think, oh, but Rinchi, you know, you're a monk, you can't have relationships, you wouldn't understand. Please. I was young, slim, and cute once too. I was gorgeous once too, you know. I, I didn't I didn't look like you guys and me like just suddenly. I wasn't born this way like all of us, you know? I was cute and young once too. And I had plenty of opportunities for relationships and all that too. And I had plenty of offers, plenty. I plenty offers from women, from men, and from in between, plenty. And I think it's great. If we need to have a relationship, fine. But you know what? I don't need the relationship to be happy. 
I don't need a relationship to assert who I am. I don't need, I don't need a relationship to take away my fear of loneliness. I don't need it. You know why? Having a relationship makes me feel even more alone. Because I've been abandoned my whole life by my parents, my step-parents. I have two sets of step-parents in real life. I've been abandoned. And uh, I've been living on my own, alone most of my life. So I know what loneliness is, and I'm afraid of it. I guess that's my word. But you know, I know a relationship is not the solution because I look at all the people with relationships and they're suffering more than me. They have to call at a certain time, they have to go home at a certain time, they have to go to the dinners, they have to go for the functions, they have to look good, they have to deal with all the crap that comes with relationships. And a lot of relationships end up just blind. How many relationships have you had that if you were to see that person again, you have no feeling again? That's what's going to happen. How many of you are in relationships now? No offense. You don't have any feeling, you just in it. Yes, I know there are people who are raising their emotional hand. They did not raise their hand fully. I know. And you know what? There are people who are in the relationship that will end up that way. And then when you get a new one, you have all, you know, you know, running in the lily of the valley, singing the sound of music with Julie and the You had all that old that crap. But it doesn't last. Why does it last? Because that's not what makes your mind happy. That's not what makes your mind feel good. Relationships are okay. Making money is okay. And you can do it. You can do it. You can have relationships. You don't have to have whole meat with your lover and then, and then rimishy pops up and like, oh no, I'm not in the mood anymore. Because while you're, you know, for those of you who are new, you don't know what bully is, it's sex. <laughs> so uh, I don't like to say that word because, you know, I am the Madonna of Tibetan Buddhism. I am. You know, there are countries that ban Madonna, there are countries that would like to ban me, I know. But anyways, um, it's okay. If you're having bubbly, you don't have to have energy flash and things that, oh, you're satisfying yourself. Bad. Well, you know, I'm not in the mood anymore. Can you close your legs, Paul? <laughs> My friend, you can have bubbly. You can have relationships. You can make some money. You can go, you know, fly to Japan and look at flowers. A cherry blossom. You can do all that once in a while. But what I want you to realize is that do it by knowing that that's not going to lead you to what you want. That's not going to get you what you want. Because if it's going to get you what you wanted, it would have gotten, gotten you what you wanted by now. That's not going to get you there. So does that mean you should divorce? Divorce all that? No. You know, you start with your own bag, you've got kids, you've got responsibilities now, so you got to think about kids. Thinking about kids is fine. Thinking about family is fine. So uh, I, I have a girlfriend now, you know, I have a boyfriend now, should I bump them and be gone for No, we don't have to bump them. You enjoy the relationship, you can have this. But if they interfere and you're not at work, then it's not your donor work that's bad. It's their, their fear that is the same as yours. But they might lose you to work, therefore they'll be alone and they'll be unhappy. So they also have threats and fears and, and insecurities just like you. And I don't think we should let their insecurities win. And I don't think we should let our insecurities win. Because, in, because engaging in insecurities never ends. Because if it ended, it would have ended already for all of us. 
and all of us have been engaging in security all the time. Making money, having money, losing, making money, having losing, making money, having losing, having good food, eating, and then having good food, eating, and then what do we get at the moment we felt good, the next you know, few hours of the is over. Some of us can sit on a big pile of money and we feel unhappy. Some of us can be in a relationship, and you know what's horrible? Let me tell you, because I've met a lot of people. Some of us are in a relationship and we like the person, and we care about the person and we like to be with them. But there's a deeper inside voice, a deeper inside voice saying, we can have this, but there's something else missing, there's something more. And we don't want to address that voice. Because we don't want to address that voice, that voice shouts louder, and that's where the fear comes from. That's where the pressure comes from. That's where the uncomfortable feeling comes from. So the uncomfortable feeling does not come from God. It does not come from NGOs. It doesn't come from helping others. It doesn't come from helping others, being beneficial to others. It comes from our voice who is speaking from inside deep wisdom. Saying, no. I need to be more. And then our insecurity starts speaking up. The insecurity is, no. You know, if I lose this person, if I lose my business, if I don't get a good meal, if I don't have this good car, then I won't be happy. You know what makes you unhappy? What makes you unhappy is not even the business or the relationship or your insecurity. Let me go one step deeper. What makes you unhappy is the wrong projection you have of these objects thinking they will bring you happiness. And they don't. And when these objects don't bring you happiness, you become unhappy. Angry, destructive. So what's my point? My point is now looking deeper. When I tell people, now listen very carefully, and I need to share this with other people. I'm not saying anything covert and wrong or sneaky. I'm not sending a sneaky message in any way. Let listen carefully. When I tell all of you, let go of your children, let go of your husband. Let go of your business. Let go of your wife. Let go of your reputation. Let go of your face. Let go. I do not mean let go of the actual object. I mean let go of your projection of what that object is supposed to give you and you didn't and you're stuck. And that's what we We expect our parents to be a certain way. And when our parents are not a certain way, we become unhappy. Is it our parents who made us unhappy or our expectation of them? Our expectation. Because if we let our parents be who they are, it won't make us unhappy. Because if we know they're this way or that way, why would we be unhappy? Why? So, um, does our husbands make us unhappy? No, our husbands do not make us unhappy. We make ourselves unhappy projecting, assuming, hoping that our husbands will be a certain way. And when they're not a certain way, they changed. They became different. They're not what I wanted. I'm stuck. I need to go for counseling. I need to find a affair. A, a I need to find another uh, man. I need to do something else. You see, it wasn't them that changed. It was you who had the wrong expectation of a partner. Why? Look at him, you will be. 
The whole theme is find a girl, avoid life, turn around trees, get wet. Uh, and, and there's always a drama in the game. You know, like, oh, Sweet Eddie's cast is brought in. And, and Arun's cat, cast is just a blacksmith. The whole family from Sweet Eddie's side doesn't accept. So Sweet Eddie's sitting there heaving with a boots going up and down. <laughs> And, 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 and Abu's like working and he can't marry this girl because she's from Brooklyn class and it is this drama. And then, then suddenly a light comes. Then, then the girl is about to marry another person of the same caste and then the same caste turns out to be a crook. And then even though he's a crook, Arun came to rescue the girl and the family regretted what they felt and then they danced around trees, everybody's happy to get married anyway. Isn't that the object of Jimmy film? There's always a tree. <laughs> Every three and a half hours Hindi film was a treat. I went to two Hindi films. I went to Bubli for one Hindi film decades ago. And then I watched a Hindi film in Delhi in someone's house, at my sponsor's house, twice. I have never been so bored in my life. <laughs> the movies, the people are beautiful. Indians are beautiful. You know, there's no doubt Indians are very beautiful people. And their acting is wonderful and they're perfect. Everything's wonderful, you know, three and a half hours of pure entertainment if, you, if that's what you'd be entertaining. I was so bored because everything they were fighting for in the Hindi movie, I don't want. Because I know it's going to bring happiness. Do you know how I know? Because I had a mother too, you know, what are you on born from a tree? I saw how my mother and father acted, I saw how they feel, I saw my cousins, I saw my aunties, I saw how they grew up, I saw what they fought for, and it wasn't great. And I don't want to get into that. So my point is what is, when I put on my robes, I'm going to tell you what I felt. And I still feel that. I finally escaped. I escaped from everything that can make me unhappy. My insecurities, I escaped. Now, when you feel bad about your husband, when you feel bad about your wife, when you don't like them, when you feel sad, you feel despondent, you, you just go along with it, you know who's at fault? It's you. You know why it's you at fault? Because you had a projection, they should be this way, they should eat this way, they should dress this way, they should come home this way, they should act this way, they should talk this way, they should support you this way. You see, and when they don't do that, they don't love you. They don't understand you. They didn't support you. But you know what went wrong? It's not them, it's you. It's your projection of them. That's what makes people So when you join the Dharma group, I've heard this thousands of times, and they walk in, when they join the Dharma Center, when they join Cage, they're floating. They're like Snow White with the butterflies dancing around their head, and they're singing away. They're like, and then they say, and then they meet one Dharma person in a temple that was in a bad mood, that had a PMS, that was, you know, they met Bobo. And they go, somehow I got out. Somehow I got out. Some people can talk like that. Some people can act like that. Some people can be like that. You know what I tell them? Stick around with more. <laughs> I do. Because they expect me to say, no, they were having a bad day, they're okay. They, you know, the nice Chinese, calm, everything. I tell them the truth. There's more. There's more. Because I've had these people talk to me. They, they come to say things to me. How come that person's like that? How come this is like that? How come like that? How come like this? They actually ask me when they come for private interviews. And I said, what do you mean? He said, but you're in Dharma. I said, yeah, but the Dharma is not in us yet. 
I said, that's your projection of how a government center should be. So that means every time we go to a hospital, no one can die, and everybody has to be healed, or the hospital has to close down. I can do so. They never publicize how many people they saved in the hospital. They always sensationalize one or two mistakes in the hospital that people died, or things that were not detected. They should, but that's how human nature is. So they say, oh, uh, and, and sometimes when they come to our meetings, we're having behavioral issues, they say, oh, you mean that person stole money? And they, look, they say, but this is Dharma. You mean they tried to get money from you? They tried to steal money, they take money, they were manipulative with money, they tried to get money from you? Well, yeah. But they're in Dharma. Oh, how many years were they now? Ten years? Ten years? And they still try to get money. They're still here for money. They're still here to try to mooch money and get money, is it? Sit down. But they're in Dharma. Why is that? Oh. Then all kinds of things come in their mind. What do they think now? Maybe I go back to what I was doing because it's not so good anyways. Maybe I don't listen to them all. Maybe I don't, you know, I better check it out and be careful first. Maybe I don't think I want to be on practice person. People say that. Hundreds of times. You know why? Because they expect everybody in the dominant first uh, center to be perfect. Free from faults, enlightened, you know, uh, on top of the world, even up. They expect them to be perfect because they didn't find perfection. So they have this outdated, unclear, unrealistic view of how a Dharma Center should be. And when that Dharma Center doesn't fulfill their expectation, they feel KH has disappointed them. I don't believe that. Because if you look at these people who are disappointed by age, I promise you, if you dig into their psyche and listen to their stories, they were disappointed by relationships, by parents, by friends, by work, and their life is a stream of disappointments. And if you talk to them deeper, they'll cry and say their mother hurt them, their father hurt them, they weren't loved, they weren't taken care of, and they blame that. And then they choose to lose because of that. They choose to self-destruct because of that. They choose to self Sabotage using those reasons. And I'm gonna go deeper. Oh, my father slapped me, my father didn't give me food, my father didn't love me, he ran around with women, my mother didn't care, she didn't have time, she had mind games. You know what? Get in line. Everybody's like that. What else is new? But let me go deeper. Psychology goes to that level and says, oh now I know the, the I know the, the core reason of your problem. And so the person's crying and crying and crying that the mother hated them, their father hated them, or their uncle hated them, they were tough. And they go on and on. After that, they feel a sense of relief. Because they talked about it and it came out and they blocked it from their memory. But the person doesn't become much better after that. They're still selfish. They're still thinking about themselves. They're still, you know, money grabbing. Why do they feel release or relief? Because it is a huge symptom taken away. Example. If you have tuberculosis, and one of the signs of tuberculosis in India, with the monks and the Tibetan people that were non-stop talking, you cough until the blood comes out. You just cough and cough, you cough yourself to death. And there are some medicines that can stop the cough. 
And once the cough stops, it's a huge relief because this person can sleep, this person can eat, this person can talk, this person can have a sentence of a normal life when they're on one year of medication. It's usually one year to two years. My point is, it's as if you're healed, but you're not. So when you go for psychological or you go for treatment, you know, for counseling, it's something like that. That it actually heals you to a certain level, but it doesn't go any deeper. You expected your mother and your father to be this way, or they should be that way, or society told you should be this way, that way. And when they didn't turn out that way, you reacted that way. Why did you react that way? Are you reacting to your mother and father? Psychologically, from a psychological view, yes. From a deeper Buddhist point of view, no. You are reacting from your pure 100% rejection arising from selfishness. Take a minute to think about that. And you know what? Even people who are spoiled kids, and they come to Dharma and they don't want to do work, they feel upset, they need a coaching, they need a counseling, they can't follow, they can't follow the speed, they can't do their work well because they have an easy life at home, and that's their reason. For psychology, yes, that might be good enough, but if you go deeper in Buddhist psychology, you know why? It's not that they had an easy life and therefore when they're in a new situation, they can't adapt. That's part of it, that's just a symptom. The actual reason is they're innately extremely selfish. And they don't want to work. And they don't want to make an effort. They don't want to take responsibility. And they don't want to think. So when they were at home, and then mamas and daddies took care of everything for them, it was a very peaceful environment because it matched very well with their selfishness. So when they go to a new environment, when people are smiling and they're nice and they're polite and they're kind, they give them love and they're patient with them, they connect that with how their mothers were, patient and kind, to nurture them in their selfishness. So when they see a new person in a work situation that is nice, that is kind, that's patient about they say, oh, that's how my mother is. So they should act just like my mother. They should let me do what I did with my mother, which is nothing. And then they get upset, maybe I shouldn't be here, maybe I shouldn't do dharma, maybe I shouldn't be involved, I don't know why I'm here. And then they say, because I come from a, a spoiled, privileged family, and therefore it's difficult for me to deal with this. It's not a spoiled, privileged family that made you difficult to deal with, or made it made it difficult for you to deal with. What it came from was your innate, strong, very, very strong selfishness. You don't want to change. You don't want to take responsibility. You do not want to do more. You, do, you want other people to do it for you. So when you join Dharma, Cage, or the workplace, or anything, you end up as a spinster, you end up alone, or you end up with not many friends. Let me tell you why that is a symptom of how you are. Is that you want it all your way. So you're looking for another mother, you're looking for another father to accommodate you. And when they don't accommodate you, what are the symptoms? You start not doing your job, you start being upset, you want people to talk to you, you want them to find a solution, you're not comfortable, you don't know why you're here, you don't feel happy. Why are you a spinster? Why are you not having friends? Why are you not anywhere in life? Why can't you have anything? Why can't you even buy your own car? Why? That is all part of the evidence of what I'm saying. So therefore, 
it is not that you were coming from a privilege. By privilege doesn't mean your parents have millions of dollars. Privilege just means you didn't have to do anything when you were growing up. That's privilege. Because it's subjective. So when you didn't have to do anything when you were growing up, when you didn't have to do anything when you were being raised, and you just go to school, come back, eat, and throw your bags here and there, and throw your laundry here and there, and the maid, and your parents, and whoever took care of it, and you can just go in your room and lock the door and do nothing, and suddenly when you join Donna, suddenly when you walk to work, everybody said, no, you suffer. Why do you suffer? Because your mother gave you an easy life, your father gave you an easy life, that's why you're not having an easy life now, you're adjusting? No. No. It's because you had the bad karma to be born into a life where your parents didn't make you do things. So when you grew up, you became selfish, irresponsible, not wanting to work, not wanting to take responsibility, because with those qualities, you don't make friends, you don't advance in meditation, you don't become a better person, you don't do NGO work, you don't help anyone, and then you collect more negative karma when you die, you go to a lower place. So when you are born in a privileged family, privilege means no responsibility. No responsibility is bad karma. Why is it bad karma? Because it trains you to become selfish more. It trains you to hone your selfish skills. And you know what? From your selfishness, you create even more unhappiness and more problems for yourself. And you end up in a worse place. And then your first reaction is, I don't want to work for Donna, I'm going to run back home to Mama. Because everything is easy for me at home. No. Why? Because if you run home back to Mama, if you run back to your comfort zone, you are reinforcing your projection. You are reinforcing your wrong view of how your mother should be. Your mother should train you. Your mother should make you wash clean. Your mother should make you do the laundry. Your mother should make you work and earn your salary. Your mother should not give you a free place to stay, an easy place to stay, a very easy life. Your mother and father should not give you that because when you grow up, you will be a terror. You will not know how to have relationships. You will suffer divorces. You will not, have to not know the value of money. You will not be able to work on the outside. And you will always look for money or easy life or free food or free place to stay for the rest of your life. And having an easy life as you grow older, in fact, you will keep divorcing. If you look at movie stars or people of big families, they get the divorce rate is very high. Why? Because they were never trained to deal with money. So to be born in that type of family, you can go two ways. You see, if I if I had a mother who gave me a million dollars, if I had a mother who gave me a thousand dollars, if I had a mother who gave me a hundred dollars, but you see, I didn't have to earn that money, I didn't have to do anything for it, they just gave it to me, and I had a free place to sit, you know what I would do? I would work my butt off. I would work my little butt off and make myself successful, because no matter how many times I fall down, how many times I fail, I still have a free place to stay, I have a roof over my head, and my mother will still take care of me. In fact, I would not sit around and relax and take life easy. I would work even harder, because while my mother and father is alive, if I fall trying, someone will rescue me. I would not sit around and take advantage of my mother and father 
and wait and take everything, have everything, and then, you know what, and then do jobs and do work and not put my heart into it because if I fail, I can go back to my mom. And that's the problem with mama's boys and mama's girls. Is that whatever job you put them in, they don't put their heart 100% into the job. Do you know why they don't? Because they never have to produce results in their life. Never. So if your kids are monsters, if you yourself is a monster child, you will be unhappy. And you will create people unhappy. And that should teach the mothers that money is not the goal of your life, that that's not what you should teach your children. And if it's too late, then you should teach other children in a normal sense not to be that way. Teach other people, and teach yourself not to be that way. Why? Because it failed you. It failed your own kids. If you fail with your own kids, it's not right. Because if your theory is correct, your kids will show you you are correct. So hence, your projection of how your father should be, your projection of how your mother should be, your projection of how a Dharma Center should be, or your wife should be, your husband, your kid, society, the government, your projection of how they should be, and then when they're not according to the way you think they are, that makes you suffer. Not them. Why? How can the world, we have six billion people in the world, how can the world, family and people be exactly the way all six billion people want it to be? How can it be? Oh, you say, but they're not Chinese, we're Chinese, so we have our... Maybe they're Chinese, there's so much conflict and problems. Within every race, every country, there's so much conflict and problems. So my point, think, meditate, listen, let it go in. I'm not blabbing on and on to just sound good. If that does sound good. Think. I'm sourcing this from the scriptures on emptiness by Nagarjuna. I've read it. And I'm giving it to you in today's language. I'm not going to read the scripture to you. If you have a girlfriend, if you have a boyfriend, you think they're going to solve your loneliness, they're going to be with you forever, they're going to support you, they're going to love you, they're going to love your lifestyle, they're going to put up with you, they're going to go along with everything you want, and that's why they deserve to be with you, and you deserve to be with them. And you're so happy, because in the beginning, it's like that. Everybody's on their best behavior in the beginning. Before they marry, oh my God, the girl is the best girl in the world, the guy is my hero. After they marry, oh my God. I've got to show you the Snow White 15 years later video. Yeah, I've got to show you the Snow White 15 years later video, that you guys know what I'm talking about. My point? You believe that this person is your savior. And then you start seeing cracks and flaws. And then you just put that aside. Then you see another crack. Oh, oh, but you're in Buddhism and they don't like Buddhism. Oh, oh no, my, you know what? But they're good to me. Um, they, they like the food I like. Um, they like swimming, they like scuba diving, and um, they also like going to the gym like me. That's okay. And then they go, oh, um, but I can't tell my parents that we're having a relationship because my parents wouldn't approve of you. And then your, your, your partner says, oh, you know what? Um, 
I'm used to being me because my parents accept me. Oh. My sister had that problem. She fell in love with a Jewish man, and my parents were 100% against it. And she had to hide her relationship with Jews. So she got married. My, my parents didn't see me. I was there when they didn't see me. My father hated Jews. And that's his problem, not my problem. I saw it in my own family, except family. My point? I didn't even know what a Jew was, but they just said it. I was a kid, he's a Jew, I'm like, what's that? Because the Mongolian word for Jew is black bread, because they eat black bread, so they used to call it hot food, 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 and so, then you think, well, okay, that's point number two, that's not right with this relationship. Um, okay, um, but when we go out, that person's a little friendly, and um, they should be with me. They shouldn't flirt, because that would make me lose space, that would make me feel like they don't love me, they send a strong message to other people. Oh, but your partner says, but I'm used to being friendly, I'm a friendly person, I have a lot of friends. You know, everybody in the club is my friend, you're like, oh. Okay, point number three, but, uh-oh. Okay, no, 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 no. We still like scuba diving, we have great sets, and, uh, you know, we like the same colors, and, uh, we, you know, we enjoy the same food. And then, you know, your relationship becomes like that. One is not no more, another one's no more, another one's no more, another one's... And then pretty much you say, um, why do you like this car? I don't know. <laughs> why are you with this person? Then it goes back to the real answer. I'm afraid to be alone. And if I'm alone, I feel I'm not fulfilled. Or another reason to be bummed on that feel I've been accomplished or look down or maybe I need to mate every day and I need someone there ready for me. I, I don't know. You know, we all have our little reasons. What am I trying to say that you're wrong and that person's wrong? No. Your projection of how that person is. And then one by one day, by one day, by one day, you realize they're not like that. Is what makes you fall out of love from them. Because you didn't fall in love with them, you fell in love with how you thought. Solution, accept people as they are. They need to accept you as you are. You don't accept your your projection of them. You accept them as they are. So therefore, when I tell people, now listen carefully, when I tell people to let go, I am not telling them to let go of their kids and their business and their family. Some families say, oh, I gotta make money, I gotta make money, I gotta make money, I gotta make money. That's what they're doing for 30, 40, 50 years, I gotta make money. I'm the backbone of the family, I gotta make money. Fine. You, you can take care of your family, you can back me, you can make money, fine. Uh, they're fine, they're all grown up, you pay all the bills, you own everything, you got a couple million, why are you still making money? Oh, now I need to support the whole planet. Oh, okay. Mm. Whatever. And then when they support the whole planet, I gotta support all nine planets in the constellation. Okay. Or I forgot, and the universe. I'm like, okay, so you're gonna keep working on, you're, you're gonna keep working and making money. You see, it's not that they need to support and support. It's what they thought money can give them that they can't let go. They thought that money can give them respect. They thought that money can prove their worth to a family who's not worth They thought that money can buy all the material things that would make them happy. They thought that having money, that their kids would have a head start, and their kids would grow up fabulous, because they got the best school, best education, best exposure, they had everything easy, you know, you know, even if they scratch themselves, my little kids scratch themselves up, we put 50 band-aids on it, and you know, they thought that money would help them grow up. And 
invisible darlings grow up and they turn out to be werewolves and monsters and vampires that come and suck mama dry, suck daddy dry. People go, why is my kid making it unhappy now? I made the money. I, I, I worked. I was a good husband. I, I, you know, I took Why? And then the father starts screaming at the kids. The mother starts screaming. The, the, the kids start screaming. They break apart. Or, or the kids just are useless. It is not the kids' fault. It is not the parents' fault. It is deeper. Our projection of how we think should, think should be. If I give you money, if I make your life easy, if I give you what you want, if I give you the best, if I give the best clothes, the best education, you have to come up with best. You see, that's not their view, that's your view. Because you think like that. That type of thinking that's not founded is called projection. And that projection not being real is empty of existence. So all phenomenon are empty of existence. Doesn't mean there's no phenomenon. It means your projection of the phenomenon and how it should be is empty of true existence. The true existence of phenomenon is not from their side, it is from your side. Hence, when you realize emptiness, you will be free. When you empty your mind of your projections, you will be Everything that you have suffered in your life didn't come from another person. It didn't come from not having money. You see, people who have money wish they were back to the simple life again. People who don't have money wish they could go back to the sophisticated life again. Everybody is never happy with what they want. Do you know why? Because everybody projects wrongly on everyone and everything. And that's the core teachings of Buddhism, is emptiness. The emptiness is not of nihilism, nothingness. Emptiness is not nihilism or nothingness. Nihilism is nothingness. Emptiness or the realization of emptiness sets you free. It's not because everything is empty. It's because everything exists enough according to your perspective and your projection and your wish. That object not existing according to your wish, your perspective, your view makes that object empty of existence. What existence? The existence of your perception, the existence of how you see it. The existence of how you wish it to be. And when you realize that, even a little and a little, you can let go of things. You let go and let go and let go. You know when you let go? You don't let go of your lover. You don't let go of your children. You don't let go of your loved ones. In fact, you become even better. You become stronger. You become loving. You become real. Because then people say, how come you changed? And that's what people feel that we changed. That's why when we come across holy mamas, 
holy practitioners, holy nuns, and we feel in awe of presence, in awe of love, of awe of attention, and in awe of that they care about us, is a sign that they've achieved some sort of emptiness. But they don't look at you as a relationship, as in reference to themselves and what they look at you for you. But us, me, you, we still look at people in relation to us. How does this person benefit us? Is he according to my hobbies? Does she like what I like? Does he have the same foods? Oh, same food? Oh, we can be friends. Oh, not same foods? Oh, not same a culture? Oh, not same language? Not same Oh, no, we can't be friends. So everybody we meet, we instinctively, wrong instincts, still judge the other person according to our perception of what we consider a good person and a friend. Because if the good person and friend came from their side, then very bad people wouldn't have friends. Very bad people have friends, very good people have friends. Why? Because that's your perception. Does everybody understand? Hence, people who are doing Dharma work are better in one way because they're goody goody Buddhists, because they're holy shmoly, because they collect good karma. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's move on. Yes, they do that. Yes, they're holy. Yes, they collect good karma. Yes, that's not why they're better. People who do Dharma work and they're passionate, really passionate from the inside, they have realized a little bit of this emptiness. So they will have relationships. They will make money. They will have families. But they can do more. Do you know why? Because if they don't have a relationship, they don't have money, they don't have this, they don't have that, it's not a threat to their insecurity anymore. That's why Buddhism liberates you. You don't look for God to liberate you. That's why Jesus Christ is a great being. Said, all of you have eyes, yet you cannot see. You have ears, yet you cannot hear. The kingdom of God is in front of you. And there are people in his sermons who actually went where? Where? They're all looking, they're actually looking in the sky because their perception is good is there, bad is there. But you know what? The earth turns this way. So when the earth's this way, good is this way now, and bad is that way. And then when it turns this way, bad is that way, good is this way. It's, it's perspective, isn't it? Of course, they didn't know that at that time because the earth was flat and stayed still. So Jesus said that. And, and when I heard that, I heard that 30 years ago. When I was about 14, 15, I watched the life story of Jesus on TV. I cried the whole show. And I, and I still had the video and I still cried because he said exactly what Buddha says. The kingdom of God is in front of you yet you do not see. You can be liberated now. Accept me. Accept the kingdom of God now. When he says me, he's not talking about himself as just a person, the flesh. He's talking about what he's representing, what he's talking, what he's speaking about. The kingdom of God is in you, is in front of you, means what? Let go. Let go of how everything should be and not be. Money, not having money doesn't make you happy. Having money doesn't make you happy, so what's the middle way? The middle way is have some money and realize it doesn't make you happy. That's the middle way. So having no kids makes you happy, and then not having kids makes you happy, or whatever. Well, I already have the kids. Get rid of the kids. Throw them in the river. No. You don't throw your rotten kids in the river. Although some of you would, never mind. You don't throw your kids in the river. What you do is this. It's not having and not having kids. It's stop expecting them to be a certain way just because they, they are your child. And they will make you lose face. And they will embarrass you. 
Because it's your love 100% for them, or is it based on you and them? Do the middle way. Let your kids be who they are. Let go. Let go of how you feel they should be. Let them be who they are. Let them be. You think you're the only mother who suffered, you're the only father who suffered, that your kids grow up to be a monster? You think so? They're in jail. There are millions of people in jail. How do you think their mothers feel? Some of them let go and move on to life. Some of them don't let go. They don't let go of their love for their kid, but they let go of how they think they're teaching. That's why I say let go and move on. The people have relationships. Oh, no, no, no. I've met this beautiful man. I've met this beautiful girl. I've met this beautiful person. And they are it. And you know, your friends go, we've heard that before. <laughs> yes, they are it. And you go, no, no, really, they are it. And you're like, you, all your friends are going like this, because their eyes are rolled up and it's rolled down. <laughs> yeah, you tell all your friends that. Then, what's your history? Who have you been hooked up with? How can you not hooked up by now? Because it's not the person you're in love with, it's who you think they should be. And some people stick in a relationship very strongly in your life, they can control their other half. Because their other half has insecurities which is manipulate. So they can control their other half. So they stay together for quite a long time. Why? If the other half doesn't have money and you do, they stay with you on. I don't trust you. Bon see my child, a happy family. Your kid's a monster, he's got gangsters after him, he's lost millions of dollars. Your daughter's a prostitute and will keep in dumb. Your other son's a drag queen out in child kit. Your other, your other lesbian daughter is doing some Dharma cult under Tenerbuchi. And you're making money and none of them listens to you. And your husband's sleeping with 50 women and he, and, and he tells you he's going for gold. And your wife, you wouldn't want to sleep with her anymore because she doesn't look like your wife. She looks like a dried up skeleton. And then when we all get together for Chinese New Year, don't see what child, don't see what child, don't see what don't see, don't see, don't see, shut up, pull the wire. You know when I go to those malls and play that don't see, don't see what child, you know what? I saw my favorite. I put the tune out of my mind. I have not seen one happy Chinese family. I have not seen one happy family anywhere. If you go deeper, nobody's happy. It's not their fault, and they're not bad. I am not saying Chinese are bad, anyone's bad. No. And then right after Gongsi Pacha, you go back to the monster kid, you go back to the prostitute kid, you go back to the lesbian who, who's joined the, you know, the, the, the Dharma Association, who's joined some cult. Oh my poor kid. I found out that they're a lesbian, they're Buddhist, and they're vegetarian. Oh my god! <laughs> and you know what? It's not even your kid's fault that she is a lesbian, she is a vegetarian, and she's a It's not even her fault. It's what you thought your daughter should be. And because your daughter couldn't be what you wanted her to be, she made you suffer. I don't agree. Being a lesbian is not wrong. Being a vegetarian is not wrong. Being a Buddhist is not wrong. So why does it become like it's so wrong? If being a Buddhist is wrong, then all the Buddhist people in the world is wrong. All the lesbians are wrong in Malaysia. I tell you one third, it must be. <laughs> I was walking around with the monks and I was just saying to them, you know, not this group, another group. I was saying, what is it? Is it the food or the water everywhere I go? It's a lesbian. <laughs> not, that it, not that it matters. I don't really care. Personally, I have very good, I have very good, um, um, 
I have very good, well, most of the time, now I have 10, uh, experiences with lesbians except one who took my money on the land, but never mind. Um, most of the time I have very good ones, but you know, my point is what, you see, because your parents gave you the money, they want you to grow up to be a little darling, they want you to grow up to wear pretty sweet pink dresses, and you know, have a wonderful man and jump on you, and, and have sex, and have 10 kids, and they want you to be a wonderful housewife, because that's their formula of happiness. And you know what, bless their heart, because that's what they really believe would make them happy, because that's what they believe made them happy, they believe. Bless their heart, that's, they're not evil. But the whole thing that's going on is the wrong perception. You know, I heard things like, oh my god, my kid deals in drugs, that's so bad. Oh my god, my kid's a vegetarian, no! I don't get it. It's not like connected or even remotely related. It's just a choice of food. It's just a choice of foods. Can you imagine going on Facebook? And your innocent, sweet little girl popping around in pink dresses and having real bullying with real men. He's a lesbian. And a Buddhist. And let's talk about a vegetarian. Oh my god. And the pastor comes over, and the cousins come over, and the aunt comes over, and the family meeting. What do we do about the sinner? Uh, we sing, all me. <coughs> and you just go, you know what? I just look at these people, and I don't even feel anger. Really, I don't feel any anger. I don't even feel sorry for them. I just look at them and say, what Buddha says is correct. Wrong view. Because you know what? The daughter is not wrong for being those three things, and the parents are not wrong for the daughter not wanting to be. Because everybody has their own projection of what makes people happy. Our parents don't want us to be unhappy. So they think that we marry a man, we have kids, you know, we're, we're not a Buddhist, we're not, we eat meat, we'll be happy. So that's their formula of wanting us to be happy. So since we cannot come to a meeting point, you know what we do? A, marry a man, become unbuddhist and eat meat. B, say I'm sorry and keep on doing what you are because you can't help it and, and forgive them and move on. I like B. I like B. And whenever they're ready, and you and you don't abandon them, you keep helping them because they are your parents, you know. And they do love you. And that goes for everybody. It doesn't just go for one or two people. Everybody. Whatever your parents project on you, whatever their mind games are, that's their games. You don't have to get involved by getting caught up in it. So if you were growing up and your parents didn't give you what you needed, and that's why you grew up to be what everybody else needed and you can't be, you don't blame it on your parents. Yeah, you can have your little emotions, you can cry, you can break down, you can have your little 15 minutes of, I know why I'm a loser. But then after that, you shouldn't be a loser anymore. That's the real problem. Because the real problem was that your mother or your father didn't give you what you needed. And therefore, you use that as an excuse to fail and self-sabotage. That's not your parents' fault anymore. It's your fault for insisting that your parents should be a certain way. Then you will do it. You know, when you go deeper, what it is? It's just you wanting your way. God, you get selfish, selfish. Isn't it horrible when it all comes back down to us? It's called karma. It's called it's called taking responsibility. Isn't that a nice word for some people? Taking responsibility. So when you take responsibility, you don't blame your mother for not giving you two million dollars. And you don't blame your son for asking for two million dollars. Nobody gets blamed. You let go. 
And if you don't let go now and you keep reaffirming this negative thinking, you will make more and more problems for yourself. Proof, look at yourself now, you're an emotional walking mess, pretending you're happy. Hiding behind a relationship, hiding behind money, hiding behind jewelry, hiding behind names, positions, hiding behind whatever. People will use anything to hide. They're not hiding because they're bad, they're hiding because they don't know what to do. They don't know. That's why in Buddhism we say forgive. Forgive doesn't mean you're so good, you're so holy, and they're bad, and you forgive. Forgive is not. Forgive means forgive yourself for believing that people should be this way or a situation be this way. So I want to make it very clear today. If we have enthusiastic, happy, uppity people in the group who want to do more for the Dharma, that's not wrong. You know why? Not because Buddha's going to bless you, not because Rinpoche's going to give you a gift, not because Rinpoche wants to throw at you, that's not wrong. Why is this? It's because when you start joining an NGO and doing more work, it's the first level of realizing emptiness. That working for yourself and fulfilling your own needs solely will never be happiness. So when we feel threatened, if our relationship is threatened, if we feel uncomfortable, we feel guilty about our relationship or having parties or going out, and then other people are working so hard, it's not that they're making you feel bad, it's you yourself making you feel, feel bad because your inner voice is saying, I know this is not going to bring me happiness, but I'm going to keep trying because I'm afraid to try something new. I'm afraid to try something new. It's fear speaking. It's not your bad person. So if you're going out and clubbing on weekends, you're having a relationship, and you don't spend much time in Dharma as your brothers and sisters or friends, you don't need to feel guilty. They don't need to make you feel guilty. You don't want no one to make you feel guilty. You make yourself feel guilty because you know that what you're doing won't bring happiness. It's not that what you're doing is bad. No. Having a relationship on out is not inherently bad. What makes you feel guilty is you suppressing the truth within yourself. So, you let go. What, you let go of your relationship? Okay, see you later. But no, no. You have a relationship, but you have a middle way. You find a middle solution. So, mom's boys, mom's girls, people who don't know, people who are afraid, parents, children, the source of all of our suffering. It's not the world. It's us. The source of all our sufferings for cheating people and lying to people is not because we're smart. If we lie and we cheat and we try to get free things from people, it's not because we're smart. It's not because we want a shortcut. You know what it is? We just don't want to it. We want to use people. And we want people to make it easy for us because we just want to use people. And our wrong view is that we use people, we'll be happier. And if we're happier by using people, then every time we use people, we must be happier. So every time we use people, if we are not happy, that means that's not Even people who cheat people, who lie, who are sneaky, who don't do their job well, you know what they want? They're doing that to be happy. They're doing that to get some happiness, because if they shock up, they think they get some happiness. They're actually lying and cheating and tricking people to be happy. They're not doing that to be unhappy. So even cheaters and liars want to be happy. They're the same as us. And if we can forgive them, but we don't let them cheat. We don't let them lie. Therefore, my point, let go. The The most important mantra you can recite to yourself once forever. Let go. 
give you the Buddha. Wherever you are, whatever you do, whatever age, you will always create more problems for yourself. And for others. Let go. God is not doing it to you. I'm not doing it to you. Cage is not doing it to you. Your relationship is not doing it to you. You're not doing it to you. But your expect because you don't want to harm yourself. Your expectation and wrong protection. And where do you get those wrong protections from? Many lifetimes and situations. Okay, some of you don't believe in many lifetimes, never mind. This life of education, the media, the TV, the magazines, the advertisements, your friends, society, your village, your country, what does everybody say? Money, 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 relationship, relationship, be happy. You've been brainwashed. So don't have it? No, have it. Have it. But just don't have that and rely on that and believe that's it. So now what should we do? Next time we go home, we say to our lover, oh, I love you, but I'm not attached to you. Oh, I love you, but I don't have wrong words to you, so you can go in the house and you're fine in No, I didn't think so. You go back exactly the way you are with your relationship. You go back to your lover, your husband, your wife. You go back exactly who you are. And you know what? By letting go, two things happen. The relationship breaks apart, which you're afraid of, but it might be better, or the relationship gets even better. Because if you want to live in a relationship to become a better person, and you're afraid of losing that person to be a better person, then it's not a relationship. But if you are willing to be a better person and the relationship goes sour because of that, the relationship goes sour. Their projection of you doesn't fulfill So eventually you're not going to match any of It's just a matter of time. That's an example for everything. Money, cars, house, food, whatever. That's just an example. So therefore, when I teach everybody to let go, that's me. That's really To let go. What does the let go mean? The let go means your 100% wrong protection of everything else you need. Oh, Rinchi screamed at me. I'm leaving. Why shouldn't Rinchi scream at me? Oh, Rinchi's supposed to be compassionate, nice and soft and gentle and, you know, be all kind and compassionate. Why is screaming at you not compassionate? That's your protection. Oh, Rinchi didn't scold that person. I've been, I've been told off people for not scolding students. Yes, I've been told off for letting students get away with things and they're unhappy with me and they blame me and they spread rumors by saying, why doesn't Rinchi tell that person to keep quiet or do that or don't act like that? I, if I don't talk, I get it. Yes, I don't talk, I get it. I talk, I get it. So you know what I do? I just do what I need to do. So if I talk, I get it, I get it. Also people say, good, you talk. If I don't talk, I get it. And then people say, good, you talk. So whatever. There are been students in the past who don't like other students, what they're doing, and they tell us, they tell other students, why I don't tell them? And I'm like, why? You're like upset that I didn't tell them off, and here I am being blamed for telling people off. So what I do, I just need to be myself. I need to have a big motivation, and if a certain situation needs scolding, I scold. If a certain situation needs nice talk, I nice talk. I just be myself, because I can't make everybody happy. And as KH grows, and becomes bigger and bigger, I'm going to have all kinds of protectionists here. There's going to be a lot of fruits and windows, a lot of backpackers, a lot of gypsies, a lot of attached people, a lot of people. Trust me, they're going to show up at all stuff. And what do we do? We take care of each and one of them the best we can without any projections and expectations. With pure love and pure care. You know how you can care? You know how you can love? When you let go. You will never love till you let go. 
That's why some people meet high lamas and they just cry and cry and cry and don't know why. Because they feel love for the lama. Do you know why they feel that love? Because the lama has let go. Because the lama has let go. They don't look at you good or bad. They just look at you and try to help you for you. So people are overwhelmed by that. And that's where guru devotion comes. That's where people are very devoted to the lama. They're very devoted to the guru. They're very devoted to the guru. This, guru, that, guru, that. Because new people come in the middle of fanatic. They don't understand. That they're not fanatical about the guru and the cult. They have never felt the person. And do you know how you love a person? Just that. If you let go, you will do tremendous work. Your marriage will become better. And if your marriage doesn't become better because your husband and wife became better, it became better because you became better, then your marriage, your husband and your wife and your partner cannot make you suffer if you let go. Why, why, why don't we just let them go and get it sent into divorce papers? Let me let go. Yeah, something maybe let me let go. Let go of my ugly husband and that ugly wife and let's send it into divorce papers. Let go. Why don't we let go of that? You can, if it really is bad to that point. Yeah, you can. I mean, everybody's different. There's no one rule for everybody. Let go and you become happier just because you look at them for how they are. And just accept you become happier. Your marriage will become happier. Your dharma will become happier. The dharma will become happier. Your relationship with everybody, everyone around you will be happier if you let go. And you don't base your future experiences and how you deal with people based on past experiences. Do you know why? You need to let go of your past experience. How do you let go of your past experience? You stop projecting how your parents should have been or shouldn't have been. You let go. It is much more than therapy and psychology. And you are not taking care of the symptom, you are taking care of the problem. Let me say one more time. Let go. Let go of your parents. Let go of how you were treated. Let go of what you think your mother should do for you. Let go of what you think society should do for you, or how you should be and not should not be. Just let go. Everything is empty of your projection. Projectionary projection is existence. Everything is empty of your projection That's one. Number two. Since it's it's empty of your projections, whatever mistakes you project. And Number three, do not use excuses for your past experiences or your failures now. If you were a mama's boy or you were abused by your daddy, if your daddy hurt you and that's why you're a monster now, if your mommy you know, took care of you so well and that's why you're a monster now, that's not their fault. It's you innately wanting to use me. And so when you when you come into a situation and you need to do work and it's not easy at home by home anymore and you find you're suffering, <laughs> it's not the Dharma making you suffer. It's not your mother who made you suffer. It is you who make you suffer who still wants to use your mother or someone else 
like the other to use. And since you can't use them, you're unhappy, you want to quit, you want to run. That's why you shouldn't quit. That's why you shouldn't run. That's why you should keep going to fight your selfishness. Does that make sense, everybody? Don't say yes because I'm the guru. Say yes because it does. Does it make sense, everybody? And that's, so that could be your parents, that could be your relationship, that could be your friend, that could be Donald. Nobody can pressure you. Nobody can make you scared. No one can harm you. It is your projection that harms you. Let go. So if you're in the Dharma, do your best with the Dharma. Give all you got. And keep giving it to your dead. You know why? You have nothing to lose because you're going to lose everything. You have nothing to lose from day one because nothing is yours and everything will be lost at the time of death. Nothing belongs to you. People ask, Luigi, how can you give things away so easily? Because I know it doesn't belong to me. I'd rather give it to you if you're happy because I've been dying tonight. What am I going to buy? Ah, oh no, 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 I can't. Oh, oh that was my one. <laughs> no. And the less you have when you're dead, when you're dying, the less you have, the better you can take the leader, because your mind is not stuck here. You don't become a spirit. So if I let go now, I'm going to have a wonderful death. I'm going to have a wonderful life. Because life just needs to let go. And do your work well. And be honest. And be kind. And help. And give all you want, and give it 100%, especially because we're an NGO. Give it your all you've got for this organization, because we can, to individually, just ourselves, we can't do much, but if we get together, we're a very talented group of people. We're a very powerful group of people. You know how much we can do together? That's why we need each other. And because we need each other, we need to be nice to each other. We need to be kind to each other, because we need each other. We really need each other. 